You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail alongside Nada Edwards and Doug Branson. You can find us on Twitter at Walker Mail, Nada at Nada the Scribe, and Doug at Doug Branson LOH. You can also find the show on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. You can find the show and find most of the social platforms that we have here Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all the links and the handles are all over the show notes. So we're going to start off with Rick Bennell. Again, he is going to join us every single Tuesday. So we'll start off with him in a, just a little bit. We've We've got a couple of sound bites from James Borrego from Hornets.com. So Coach Borrego is going to be able to speak on a couple of things from the preseason game and uh, preseason games against the Boston Celtics. And also a GIF has been ruined for us for eternity that we're going to get to later on in the show. But first, we'll head to Rick Bennell on his thoughts and and uh, comments on the two preseason games. And before I put you guys with Rick Bennell, it was a awful sounding interview. It basically sounds like your grandparents' house where none of them can hear anymore, and they're just both yelling at each other, not being able to hear anything. The content is good. The Rick, is, is, great. Rick is great. The audio itself is not good. And you're mad about that. I can tell. Just, I don't like you, it. You can no. hear it in Very his angry. voice, yes. Nada, how don't upset like he is. Oh, I, I don't you like it. You let Nas down. I, I, I did. <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like how the audio sounds. I'm not happy about it. And I wish we could somehow change it, but the audio sounds awful. And this there's is, just no way we can do it. This is once again Radio Walker coming out. This is him holding these high radio standards, not understanding that this is a podcast. This is a place where we're, we're in the we wild, be, wild west. With a podcast, we could be refining these things. I thought it was going to be better sounding, but we can't do it. Well, you're wrong. You didn't your aspirations way too hard. I, I thought they were going to be good, but no. Basically, so here's a couple of grandpas talking about the Charlotte Hornets here. Up next with myself, Grandpa Walker, alongside Grandpa Rick. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And just as we do every Tuesday, and we're going to do every Tuesday during the regular season, we'll head to the guest line and welcome Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer. Rick, thanks for joining us once again. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. How are you all? Uh, I'm doing well, Rick. And just taking in a little bit of the preseason action from the Charlotte Hornets up in Chapel Hill the first two games. And uh, we'll get right to it, Rick. You wrote an article on Miles Bridges yesterday and how the Hornets plan for Miles and how it's been altered. Rick, I'll, I'll ask you, how has it changed? the plan the Hornets have for Miles Bridges? Well, when I talked to uh, Borrego at the beginning of training camp, I asked him, I said, one of the reasons that, you know, you drafted this guy was because you saw him as somebody with a versatility to play multiple positions. I said, is that a off-in-the-future thing, or is this something that you might, you know, start doing in the preseason? And very understandably, J.B. said, you know, that he wants to be sure he didn't overwhelm um, Bridges with, with information right away and that the, you know, the plan going in was to keep him fairly narrowly focused at small forward. Um, quite frankly, um, Bridges has been so good so fast, and specifically both he and Devonnie Graham for rookies have been so great at picking up coaching, you know, getting, you know, getting a tip here and immediately integrating it the next day into what they're doing that the learning curve has been sped up pretty dramatically. Uh, the obvious evidence of that is Sunday in the second half and and by the way, the way that Borrego 
seems to be doing this is he wants to use the first half as something, you know, at least somewhat similar to a rotation, and the second half becomes more of a, you know, laboratory kind of thing. In the fourth quarter of the, the uh, game up in Boston, Miles didn't just play small forward. He played both power forward and even a little bit of small ball center. Um, he has demonstrated, you know, he's got a lot going for him. If he can make that, that three-point shot that as he's demonstrated so far, he's going to be really, really hard to guard. Uh, I thought, you know, I, you know, Walker, you and I have spoken about this. I thought Shea Gilgis Alexander would have been their best alternative. When they went with Bridges, you know, I, I, I had some misgivings about this, and immediately in Summer League, it was very, very obvious that he's got a lot more game than I think that we typically saw him play at Michigan State. I think part of that was about him adapting to playing with Jaron Jackson up there last season. And the other thing that I think is important not to completely, you know, think of as sort of a marginal factor here is he lost 18 pounds from the end of his college season to the draft, and I think that's made a significant difference. I think he's much more sleek and athletic than he was and he's the first person to say it's really changed his conditioning. Yeah, Rick, I was going to ask you, what specifically has changed your mind about him the most? Is there any kind of play or something he's done that you didn't expect him to be able to do? Everybody loves the dunks, but what has been a part of his game that you thought, you know what, man, I, I might have been wrong on this guy. He certainly changed my mind a lot in that regard. Well, I mean, I don't want to sound like I saw a ton of Michigan State basketball last season, but I... I'm confident I saw, you know, him play five, you know, a good five times last season. Um, one of the, the knocks about him, and this is really, really important, frankly, at the NBA level, Jay Billis pointed this out to me, is he had a, a, an incredibly poor um, a number in college of trips to the foul line. You know, that's a real skill that a lot of times is, is not particularly appreciated enough. Um, what we saw in Las Vegas, and I do attribute this partially to him trimming down and look, you know, and as a result being quicker, is he did a really good job in Las Vegas of putting the ball on the floor and making people deal with him in sort of a create chaos kind of way. You know, the only way you, you, you can really deal with somebody that strong who, you know, can change direction as a dribbler is foul him. So, I think that that problem has been addressed to some degree. And, you know, when I was talking to Borrego about this yesterday, he was saying, you know, if a six foot seven, somewhat burly guy can, um, um, you know, can also be a real threat from the perimeter, that puts places defenses in a really sort of complicated situation. Um, you know, when I asked Batum yesterday if he, well, you know, you know, we we asked him if there was anybody that um, that so far Bridges reminded him of in the NBA, and I thought Nick's description description of a 
of a Sean Marion kind of effect was an interesting one. Well, and Rick, I was going to ask you, you mentioned his physique. I was going to ask you, is there a body type that you kind of compared him to? I know you compared a lot of Dwayne Bacon to a Kendall Gill coming to the Charlotte Hornets team a lot last season, just the way that he looked coming into an NBA uniform. And Miles Bridges, I feel like kind of a bigger body, a little bit different physique than some of these other guys in the NBA. Sean Marion is a good comparison. Um, Rick Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us here uh, on the guest line for the Locked On Hornets podcast. Rick, we had this question yesterday, so I'll ask you, who's helped their case for the for more minutes going into the regular season, and who's hurt their case the most the past couple of games? Well, if, you, if we take if we take Miles out of out of this discussion, since we've already talked about right. it so much, um, I think Jeremy Lamb has definitely reinforced Borrego's po- positive opinion of him. Um, with how you know, particularly with how he did in Chapel Hill, he has done he has done nothing that makes uh, Borrego have misgivings about the potential for starting Jeremy um, in the season opener. That does not mean that it's that that decision has been made, and certainly Malik Monk, I think, will still have something to to say about that. Um, as far as who probably has you know potentially hurt his case for minutes. Um, I, you know, I don't think this is news that um, I think that Steve Clifford probably valued more Michael Kidd Gilchrist more than, you know, any other NBA coach would. And I think that Borrego is trying to find a way to get, you know, some production out of MKG. I don't think he's going to become, you know, 10th man, but. You know, just the way that they want to play when Borrego definitely aspires to have four shooters surrounding Kemba as much as possible, I think it's going to be a tough nut for for, um, Kid Gilchrist to play anything close to the kind of minutes that he's played in previous seasons. Rick, you mentioned the battle at shooting guard. What do you make of the battle at the center position right now, more specifically between Cody Zeller and Billy Hernan Gomez? Um, Walker, if you don't mind, I think I'd like to broaden that a little bit. Sure. I think that Cody, um, I think that it was it was appropriate that Cody, um, you know, went in as the favorite to start, and I don't think he's done anything so far to um, to change that. Um, but I think that by far, center is the position where there's going to be, uh, you know, most sort of, you know, um. I think I think there's a possibility for for minutes to change, you know, almost game to game in that regard. And in that in that sense, if if Monk and um, Lamb are the you know biggest bake offs in this preseason, I think the second biggest one might be whether Hernan Gomez or Kaminsky is the person who's going to get the the most minutes behind Cody at, at center. Um, Moving Frank to the five, it's it's different from the MKG situation, but there is some similarity there in that I think Borrego is trying to figure out a way to get something out of Frank when it's clear that, you know, that Borrego doesn't necessarily see Frank going forward as being a power forward. Rick, do you think he'll be successful in that? I think that specific to this situation, it's got a chance to work because of what I said about, you know, one of Borrego's top priorities 
is to put as much shooting on the floor as, as he can. So his agenda there is to, you know, is to make opposing centers guard Frank outside the paint somewhat. Um, it's worth, it's certainly worth trying. And the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, Willie spent a lot of time this summer working on trying to be a, trying to increase his shooting range. How effective he has been in doing that is not incidental to how much he plays this season. All right, you can catch Rick on Twitter at Rick underscore Bunnell, and you can catch him also here on the Locked On Hornets podcast every Tuesday throughout the regular season. Rick, we appreciate your time so much, and uh, have a good day. Sure thing, Walker. Have a good day. This is Locked On Hornets. You know, Golden State spent almost a minuscule amount of time with zero of their starters out on the floor. They had at least one out there the entire they just time. Have four Hall of Famers. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so you just put them anywhere. Have, you just have one out Stack there. them up. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Well, little did we know we already have one Hall of Famer on this team now in Miles Bridges. We've got one here in Charlotte. That's right. Pencil it in, folks. Actually, Sharpie it in. Or just press down hard with whatever pencil that you have, but still make it that it can be erasable. But I'm ready to do that with Miles Bridges to be in the Hall of Fame. And Rick writes an article about him. He wrote it yesterday. So he wrote about the Charlotte Hornets plan to now have it altered with how Miles Bridges has been able to handle the first two preseason games. Yeah. We discussed the first preseason game. The guy put on a dunk fest for you. It was fun. The second game was a little bit more, I think, talent that could translate into wins more so. It was the excitement the first game. Second game, you got to see him shoot from beyond the arc, have a couple of nice drives, go to the paint. And now I think now what you've seen from Rick and what you heard from Rick just there is the Hornets now altered plan is to maybe have him become a guy that can contribute right away. He also discussed that his minutes have increased with what he's done the first two preseason games and his versatility on the offensive end also being a small ball five, which is something I don't think we've really talked about. We talked about the three or the four, but a small ball five, that could be a possibility here in the regular season for Miles Bridges. And I think this is a guy that a lot of people are excited about. Altered plan is a nice way to say that the Hornets are like nada. They're flip-flopping right now. Wait, 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 hold on. How did I get put in this? Flippity flip. This is because what this is what you do. You go in really hard and say one thing. Like Borrego slotted him into a three. We're going to make Miles Bridges a three. He did that's go where, hard in that. That's didn't where he? we see him. Cupcheck said three, maybe two. He was playing. He was playing Bridges Get down. That two talk. And now it's like no three, four, five. Because and I think it's because Miles Bridges came out of the gates so intense, looking so ready, looking so prepared, looking so comfortable playing all of those positions. Now, here's the question I would have for you. I have not flip-flopped on this at all. On what? Oh, on what position On Bridges. Right. On Bridges, I have... Well, on Bridges, you have flipped because you didn't like the pick, and now you do like the pick. So you have flipped. There is an element of Bridges that Hold on, hold on. You know what? I'm Why are we saying. bringing up old stuff? Well, I mean, we can we can bring up things of clarity here. I just wanted to make sure that the listeners were well informed before you put out all of this nonsense. I want to crawl my eyes out right now. <laughs> Miles Bridges, <laughs> as far as the position that he plays, you're right, though. I mean, we have all been on the Miles is a four train. I mean, yeah. I, I just don't see him as a three as much. There are certain situations where I'm sure you could put him there, but 
he is a four to me, and he's always been a four. And now that Borrego sees that, I'm glad he listened to our podcast and finally put Miles as a four up there in preseason, up in Chapel Hill and in Boston. And now we'll get to see him tonight against the Miami Heat, where possibly you'll see him at more four. And the small ball five thing is interesting. Like, what Miles Bridges is what six eight, six seven and a half, six seven on on a good day. Yeah, and and being held as a five on the court. That might be a little too much, but I feel like he's a solid four, and James Borrego has been pretty impressed with what he's done at that position, just as a guy like Nick Batum. And Nick Batum had some comments about Miles Bridges at the four as well. Here's Nick on what he had to say. This guy's an image for him. He's young, and and yesterday, like the last game at the four spot, that's good. He's going to be good at that spot, you know, and... The way he plays, we play. We, we, we're so spread this year. You no, know, we we so spread. We have no one in the paint, clearly, like we used to last year. So the paint, the paint's gonna be open for everyone, especially for him. Why is it gonna be open, Nick? Why is the why is the floor gonna is the floor gonna what? look different? What changed between last year and this year? I can't I can't figure it out. It's funny to see how at media day they were very. I, w- I would imagine they were very adamant that Dwight Howard was not the number one problem with that team. And now we've heard some things about Dwight. Well, we, we've heard it before, and we've heard maybe Nick say some things about Dwight Howard, but here's another example of Nick saying the floor is going to be more open. You can move the ball a little bit better now. And Dwight Howard, obviously being the guy that plugs up the middle and doesn't allow the space to be there as much. I think there's a key distinction because I, I think they were very adamant about Dwight Howard not being a problem off the court. Right. And certainly they did the thing that you expect all players to do, which is to say it's not one person. We we win as a team. We lose as a team, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's it's clear that they they took a chance on Dwight Howard and, because they needed to to be a playoff, to get into the playoffs or be a playoff contender. They thought that that's what they needed to do. So they took a chance on Howard. It didn't work out, and it hurt the offense. And I think Nick Batum is just voicing that along with others. And no. fair and fair enough. Fair oh. enough. I would imagine you're right. Like they absolutely made a distinction about the behavior of Dwight and how he was in the locker room to how it just did not fit here in that one season that Dwight was here on the floor. So you guys are going to let Nick Batum flippity flop all all over this Dwight Howard stuff. Well, and, and now again, y'all I don't, don't think let he's me. flipping. He well, was very he was very vocal last season What's he about flipping about? Problems in the offense. I'm just saying, y'all let him flip flop all. Well, I'm asking, what, what's he flipping on? I don't think he's flipping here. No, but he's taking digs after media day. He went out of his way, kind of, to say Dwight wasn't a problem. See, now, one, I do think the that was a good point by Doug. I mean, we and I feel like we've touched on that. It was not the behavior. It was not the quote unquote cancer in the locker room that people have given him as far as that tab goes. But on the floor, it just didn't work. Did Nick really say anything about Dwight? Like, I feel like Nick didn't say anything about. I feel Dwight like not as deflecting. Today. I feel like you are deflecting. Can we talk about Bridges some more though? Because I think we're getting really excited about him <laughs> because he's knocking down three point shots, and and if he becomes a threat in that way, it's go. It really will space the floor when if if defenders start really buying into him as a three point shooter, and that's going to open up some things for him on the drive. But are we getting too ahead of ourselves? I mean, we're still wait in, wait, wait wait hold on, Mister preseason, preseason himself. I'm asking the question. Of course, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
Mr. Preseason is saying we're getting I'm, a- I'm ready to make a Miles Hall of Sky Miles, baby. I'm collecting them. <laughs> Sky I'm Miles. To, I'm going I, to Tahiti. Somebody contact Eric Collins, please, and let him know that we just came up with his I'm new I'm trying name. to make it a thing. And Sky Miles. Like Fetch. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, fetch, fetch is not a thing. Sky Miles is. I'm down with Sky Miles. And that's exactly what he's been, but can he be a guy that can contribute from beyond the arc at a consistent basis? He's proven it here in the preseason games, right? Certainly in game two. Somebody that went uh, had four made field goals from beyond the arc. It doesn't look pretty. The shot isn't exactly as smooth as I think a lot of people would like it to be. I think you look at that and you think, you know, we talked about it yesterday. 35%, I think you take that. 36%, I, I think you're cool with yeah. Miles Bridges shooting from that percentage from beyond the arc. But you know, I, I just don't know how sustainable it is. The one thing I would say, though, is Nick Batum probably had the best comparison for him in Sean Marion. And I know Rick brought that up right. as well. If the release doesn't look good, but the shot goes in, does it really matter? <laughs> no, and I don't want to put his form on what Sean Marion's looked like. No, and it did go in, but that's some of the all-time worst form of all time. Like who who else had the worst shooting form that you can think of? Like whose shots look ugly? Because Sean Marion's in the, the concussion protocol right now. Sean Marion is the number one guy. You're right. MKG is one, but Sean Marion, as far as a guy that could actually shoot, okay, I've got one for you, and it's an obscure one. And it's funny, watching these games, my dad would actually shield my eyes so I wouldn't learn how to shoot from this guy, Austin Crozier, for the Indiana Pacers. Oh, yeah. Th- that guy have. had his hand above the like, – it seems like it was in front of the ball when he would shoot, and he would not let me. Oh, and Doug <laughs> Doug, you got one pro- to share perfect one. as you bring it up on the monitor? Yeah, how about Joakim Noah? <laughs> oh, that was his- a bad one. Especially on the free throw line. I felt like it, it was bad all around, but I felt like it got even worse. It somehow mutated when he – Got onto the free throw line. Yeah, but and, and Joe Kim Noah, more of a post player anyway. So, yes, you're right. But there were some bad ones. Joe Kim Noah was bad, but in Miles Bridges, we're, we've gone too far. Yes, it's, we have it's, gone it's too not, far. It's not anywhere in that stratosphere Ooh. of an MKG, of a Crozier, of anybody like that. But okay, bad form, great shooter. How about Kevin Martin with that weird? Oh, that yeah. was quick. Like, I feel like that was a quick, that was a bad one. Even on the video games, it always looked weird trying to. Yeah, that is weird. It's out in front. Right, it's out in front, and his and his uh, right arm kind of dips in a little bit, but he made it work. Kevin I'm surprised he didn't break his wrist yeah. almost. Kevin Martin, the Steph Curry of Western Carolina before Steph Curry well, yeah, came Alfred around Alfred Payton's to got a, kind of a goofy <laughs> shot, too. Well, there's a lot of things that are goofy about Alfred Payton. No, he oh, cut man. his hair. I, I know he cut it, but still, there are some things that are goofy about Alfred. Last night, I was watching the Orlando Magic play the Philadelphia 76ers, and I saw our guy, Steve Clifford, on the sidelines. Only you for preseason. It gave me the feels. How about that? Checking out an Orlando-Philadelphia preseason game. Doug is so excited that he wants to go check out his boy, Steve Clifford. What? How was he doing down there? Is Roaming right? the sidelines. He, he was right? even on the baseline at one point. And, and, you know, he's just he's a presence on the sideline. How'd Bamba look? Did we check out Bamba at all? Did I only saw right? one play for Bamba, and he traveled. DeAndre, no, not, not looking good for my guy. DeAndre Ayton had a good night, though. He did. Over 20 points. DeAndre Ayton looks like a stud at the number one overall selection. And going back to our selection here in Charlotte, Miles Bridges, it's somebody, again, it's just you wonder about the shot, how sustainable it is. I wonder about the defense. I can. I, it's, again, my number one worry about whether he can defend on the perimeter. That's why I've pegged him as a four this entire time. But Batum has those comments on Miles and just spacing the floor. And real quickly, before we take one more break, let's go to James Borrego's comment on floor spacing and how that can be utilized best for the Charlotte Hornets team. If somebody else has the ball in their hands, I expect the next guy to be spaced correctly. Because when he has the ball in his hands, his teammates are going to space for him so he can create put pressure on the defense 
And this whole offense is built around constant pressure on defenses, constant pressure with the pass, the drive, or the shot. If you're not out of the way, if you're not spacing the floor, then you are a selfish basketball player. He demands spacing. He demands quick decisions. He demands ball movement. Guys, I'm on the JB train. Choo-choo. Let's go. (laughs) I mean, I get it because it doesn't look like the slog that it was last year. So they could win 36 games. And you know what? I might be entertained for all 82. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community for as little as $1 a month. You can help us keep making the Daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode. Get entered into our contest for free bobbleheads and tickets and get access to content before anyone else. Patreon.com slash LOH. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back in just a few. Walker Mail, Nada Edwards, Doug Branson. You're listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. So wait a minute. Do we value players that forget plays all of a sudden? I thought we were <laughs> we loved LeBron James because he remembered he could cite to you every single play from every game he's ever played in. Now all of a sudden, we like players who have no idea what happened on the previous play. I don't think you want them to play scared, right? It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. An all-time worst Twitter moment, I think, has hit us today. Um, we saw something that has been heavily util- utilized by the Twitter sphere basically dissipate. It just it went away. Kobe Stan, the nation of Kobe Stan, it's at half mast right now. Uh, Kobe Bryant had an all-time gif of Matt Barnes throwing the basketball in bounds, mm-hmm. but not actually throwing it. Classic. Throwing it in what appeared to be. Kobe's face without letting go of the ball an obvious flinch moment but Kobe did not even blink Kobe just stares Matt Barnes down and it's one of the coldest things that we have ever seen a basketball player do on the court Mm -hmm. we got some news today what well no don't tell me we got an overhead camera angle of that exact play and I don't know who put it out there but somebody has decided to ruin this the overhead angle clearly shows that Matt Barnes is out of bounds. No! And Kobe Bryant, rather than standing right in front of him, is actually off to Barnes' right just a little bit, therefore meaning, when you see the video as well, that Matt Barnes did not actually pump fake the ball right in Kobe's face, what? but actually went to Kobe's left. And that is one of the best gifts out there of all time. And it has been ruined. It is shattered. There is no more. And therefore, Kobe Bryant's greatest accomplishment of all time is now no more, and I think wait, this wait, is a wait, sad wait. day hold, for social media. Hold, hold up. Greatest accomplishment of all time? <laughs> really? Like You're, you're, you're that guy. You're going to be – you, you and, and I talked with this about Doug – or to, to this with Doug before the show, and you guys are going to be that guy where actually – I I'll, think a ring is better than that. Oh, I don't you, know. An NBA championship, <laughs> yeah. maybe? Are you going to be that guy? And Doug's going to be that. Doug was that guy as well. Like, both of you are like, hold, hold on, hold on, Walker. I mean, I, and to be fair, I don't think that's the best accomplishment of all time. I'll take I one bet, of the five best say, rings. You better clarify that. I, I think it's one of the five. Oh, 
Thank you, guys. But Thank you for your contributions. Okay. Yes, maybe I'll take a ring other than just a non-flinching moment. You guys got me. Let's talk Play along. About, let's talk about why this gif matters because it it feeds into the Kobe Bryant mystique, right? That that snakes don't blink. It's Black the Mamba. Mamba. He's the Mamba. He's got ice in his veins. He's he's just he's a killer, right? He's got that killer instinct. That's what Kobe Bryant has has been all about. And Matt Barnes, one of the sort of NBA tough guys, or maybe NBA not so tough guys, depending wait, wait, on, hold, 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 on hold. who you talk to. That that's Doug that's saying that, Mr. Barnes. You come after him, not us. Anyhow, so I'm just saying, people say that. I didn't say that. People say that. But <laughs> back <laughs> off, really. please, Mr. Barnes. I didn't mean anything by it. But Kobe Bryant is supposed to be this like really intense guy, and that showed it. And listen, I've looked at the GIF. I Zapruder filmed this GIF. I mean, I poured over the tape, and I gotta say, it's not ruined for me. No, you're holding on. You're holding on to something. It is ruined. It is not directly in Kobe Bryant's face. It is not a part of the mystique anymore. It's gone. And it's okay to let things go sometimes. I know change is hard, but you have to let this go. You're talking about angles, and I'm talking about distance. You this can, is listen, all angles. You can pull your protractor out if you like, Professor, <laughs> but I'm telling you that the basketball was three inches from his face. And I'll tell you another thing. If a basketball is three inches from my face going at the speed at which Matt Barnes But it used to be just a centimeter. I'm flinching. I'm flinching. It's not the same. And join me in your protractor usage, won't you? I mean, there is an absolute need for that tool because it is off to the side. It is not directly in Kobe's face. You're talking three inches. I'm talking millimeters. That basketball was so close to touching Kobe Bryant's face before and now three inches, please. Get out of here. It's no more. I said, it, I didn't say three inches. I said inches. That could mean you two said inches. It, well, that you, could mean an you, inch and a half. You said That's multiple inches. It doesn't matter. You said inches, even an inch. I'm talking millimeters. I'm talking about a smaller scale of things that makes this more Basketball impressive. is a game of inches. I mean, Chris Childs got two-piece Kobe Bryant, and he didn't flinch then. Didn't do anything. That's true. I, I think it's ruined. I think you're wanting to hold on to this forever, and I think you're you need telling to let me it go. you've seen the overhead. Santa Claus is not real either, by the way. You're telling me that you you would not have flinched in that situation. Oh no, now I this is nothing about what I would do in this situation. That's the, that's no, the no, whole it's not. thing. No, it's not. If we're going to compare myself to Kobe, I'm not the killer instinct. I'm not a black mamba. I do not have venom running through my veins. Kobe, in that moment, we're saying that that is not an accurate portrayal of the venom th flowing through his veins. There are other ones that used to be it, but it's not anymore. What what this is really about is that because of Twitter, because of social media, because of the ease uh, of information and, and the, the variety of sources of information that we have, we cannot hold anything sacred. Nothing can, I'm nothing, here to bring it. I'm here to bring it to the light. Nothing you're, you're, can stay gold. We can't just have something. We can, as a, as a society, we cannot have nice things anymore because we have to ruin them. Uh, and and I think it's been ruined. And I wish it wasn't. And I apologize. Personally, I drink your tears and burn your sacred cows and enjoy them as burgers. <laughs> it's not a going twisted on us. Preseason game tonight as well against the Miami Heat. We're going to be there. Going to check it out. The whole crew is going to be there at the Miami Heat Charlotte Hornets game. A couple things to watch for for you guys real quickly before we end this show here today. Anything uh, experimenting with the lineup? Quite honestly, we'll see if Bridges starts at the four. Gives. Marvin another game off that he really doesn't need to play. I want to see if Devontae Graham improves upon his play because at this point, I think he's clearly the third point guard. I thought that he might be a viable second option as a point guard. I'm not so sure anymore. I think he's still going to need a lot of time in Greensboro. Doug, you got something for us? 
Yeah, with MKG out, I'll be watching uh, who fills in uh, for that, you know, sort of first guy off the bench. That's what the, that's the role that MKG had carved in those first two preseason games. So we'll see if it's if it's Bridges, is it more Monk? That's what I'll be watching. And Rick, by the way, saying that MKG still, even with these games going on, it was before the preseason games happened. He thought that his minutes were going to be taken away and nothing he's seen from these preseason games has changed his mind otherwise. I disagree with that. I think he's a necessary backup four. I also disagree with him saying that he, Frank's got a role on this team. I don't see it. Someone's yeah. going to have to explain that one. Yeah, maybe the five maybe the five spot is something to look out for again tonight. That's another big thing, I think. Can Frank rebound after two preseason games in which he was he was Casper? I mean, he was nowhere to be found. Can he do can he make an impact? He's got to make an impact from beyond the arc, but also can he make an impact on the boards as well? All right. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back. Preseason Miami Heat game, preseason game three, I believe, for the Charlotte Hornets now. We'll recap that one tomorrow here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. See you guys.